Would you help me welcome to the pulpit this morning our very own President Beck Taylor. Good morning, Whitworth. It's good to see all of you today on this snowy Tuesday morning. Seasons are changing. Well, there are few things in the world that get under my skin as much as hypocrisy. And I'm really good at spotting hypocrisy. How about you? Hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Hypocrisy is saying one thing and doing another. Hypocrisy is holding others to standards we ourselves are unwilling to follow. Hypocrites are frauds. They are duplicitous. They are insincere. They are deceitful. And most people, like me, are really good at detecting hypocrisy in others. But here's the thing. I am much better at recognizing hypocrisy in others than I am in myself. I hold others to higher standards of fairness and consistency than I do myself. I'm quicker to find the moral failures in others than I am in myself. So right here at the outset, I want to say this. When you hear the word hypocrite and your first thought is about your roommate and not about yourself, if your first thought is about that person who voted differently than you and not about yourself, if your first thought is about your parents or family members and not about yourself, then I want you to pay particularly close attention to what Jesus has to teach us today. Because this lesson is not about others in whom we see hypocrisy in action. This lesson is about us, you and me, and the ways we allow hypocrisy to take root in our own lives, and the damage that we can do to others and to our witness for Christ as a result. Jesus has a stern and cautionary word for us today. So today I want to uh, read a story found in Luke chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 37 and going through 44. Hear the word of God. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So Jesus went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see Jesus did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give alms for those things that are within and see everything will be clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and yet neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the other. 
Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. In the story, we read that Jesus is invited to dine with a Pharisee and others. The Pharisee and presumably the others in attendance make an issue about Jesus not washing before the meal. Now, in order to understand this story, you need to know that their censure of Jesus wasn't rooted in their concern for Jesus' personal hygiene or health. They were not concerned about COVID. No, it was customary for devout Jews to perform a ritual cleansing before meals. There were ornate public wells and baths called mikvahs. In fact, Forrest and I saw some of these when we traveled to Israel a couple of years ago, where Jews would splash water on themselves in order to achieve ritual purity. This practice may have contributed in some way to the removal of some dirt and germs, sure, but it was primarily done out of compliance for religious norms. So when Jesus hears the group chattering about his lack of religious decorum, Jesus uses the opportunity to rebuke the Pharisee and to point out the hypocrisy in his life. But friends, and hear me well here, these words are not written down in Scripture for the Pharisee. He's long gone. These words are for us today. Jesus issues three rebukes. He tells three hard truths to the Pharisee and to us in this portion of Scripture that I read. And I want to review them quickly, but before I do, I think we should say a, I should say a couple of things. I want you to see a common theme in all three of the rebukes that Jesus offers in this story. At their core, each of the lessons has to do with distinguishing between the most essential and the non-essential or less essential matters when it comes to the heart of our faith. In each case, Jesus accuses the Pharisee and he chastises you and me for putting more emphasis on the non-essential or less essential duties of faith than on the most essential aspects of our walk with God. That disordering of faith, that disordering of faith practice is at its essence a heart issue, Jesus tells us. To see this, after the Pharisees point out that Jesus didn't go through the motions in the mikvah, Jesus draws attention to the difference between being clean on the outside, on the outside and being clean on the inside. He rebukes the Pharisee for being too concerned with the less essential aspect of faith, whether or not he's gone to the trouble of proving orthodoxy to his friends. Then with the most essential aspect of faith, whether one's heart, one's soul, one's spirit is right with God. How many of us go through some of the motions associated with righteous living? Check some of the external boxes to prove to others that we are faithful Christians. Making sure our dishes are clean on the outside, as Jesus says. 
And yet we spend little time seeking God with our hearts and our minds. And as a result, we are foolish. We are greedy and wicked in our actions as Jesus admonishes us. This really gets, I think, to the core of hypocrisy, doesn't it? Is it any wonder that our actions might not always be consistent with what we say we believe if that belief isn't reflective of where our hearts truly are? Our friends in the theater department would say it's really hard to play a role with integrity if our hearts really aren't in it. If an actor doesn't immerse herself, heart and soul, into the role, almost becoming the character she's playing, well, she might mess up a line or two. So in order to be sure his teaching really hits home, Jesus offers three specific rebukes, three woes to make his point. But they all point back. They all point back to this idea of whether our actions are really reflective of our true beliefs, whether or not they reflect a transformed heart. First, Jesus rebukes the Pharisee for tithing, but not pursuing justice and love. Again, Jesus warns the Pharisee about the visible and arguably less essential, not unimportant, but less essential practice of giving to the church. And that practice not being reflective of a heart that really seeks justice and shows love to others. What the practice of tithing is ultimately really meant to produce anyway. Was the Pharisee tithing just for appearances? Or did he really care about the people who would benefit from his almsgiving? How many of us for the sake of outward appearances, are willing to post something on social media or sign a petition, but are unwilling to roll up our sleeves to be part of bringing justice and prosperity to others with real action? Maybe slacktivism, as it's called, is the modern day parallel to tithing mint and rue and herbs, but not truly caring for the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and others at the margin. Next, Jesus rebukes the Pharisee and us for being concerned with garnering the attention, praise, and honor that comes with practicing our religious faith, for being seen in the synagogue, in the town square. Are there really benefits to simply acting religious? In other parts of the country I've lived, there are stronger elements of a kind of cultural Christianity than I've experienced here in the Northwest. In those communities, there is a more pervasive Christian and biblical ethic that demands a more outward appearance of Christian propriety. Going to church on Sundays and being seen there allows people to accrue a kind of social capital that can benefit them in all parts of their personal and professional lives. For instance, when I was a college student in Texas, students who didn't go to church on Sunday would nonetheless show up at the university's cafeteria for Sunday lunch dressed in their Sunday best because of the scorn they would receive for not going to church. 
Well, although there is perhaps less of that social norm here in the Northwest than in other parts of the country, I do wonder if something like it isn't evident here at Whitworth. Does our community provide explicit rewards to students and employees who spend their time doing certain things? Like, I don't know, coming to chapel on a regular basis? Or being seen at Hosanna? Or leading a small group? Or regularly saying a prayer at a faculty meeting? I'm certainly not saying that these things are bad things. They're just the opposite. They're wonderful things. But what Jesus is asking us to do here is to examine why we are doing these things. Are we trying to impress others with our religiosity? Send all the right signals to our friends and our colleagues to accumulate Whitworth social currency? Or do we do those things in order to see God with our hearts and minds? Unencumbered by the social expectations we or others might impose on ourselves. Finally, Jesus warns us that we can do real damage to others and to our witness for Christ if we allow hypocrisy to sneak into our lives. Touching or even being near a grave would make a devout Jewish person ritually unclean. So the Pharisees and most Jews for that matter would stay far from them and graves were often clearly marked as a result. Jesus tells the Pharisee that his hypocrisy was like being an unmarked grave. Drawing unsuspecting visitors and subsequently the corruption, the uncleanliness that came with that kind of proximity to hypocrisy. If other people see hypocrisy in our lives, what are we telling others about our faith? What are we telling others about their own need to seek out Jesus and his teaching? And what corruption, what sin, what lack of regard for others are we contributing to in the process? Band, you guys can come on up. Friends, Jesus tells us to remove the plank in our own eye before we concern ourselves with the speck in the eye of our neighbor. Let us examine our hearts. Let us seek righteousness with God first and foremost. Let us ask for the Spirit to reveal in us ways we can con better conform our lives to the teachings of Jesus. Then, let's act with love and with mercy and with compassion and justice knowing that those actions are meant only as an expression of worship to our living God and as an expression of love and solidarity with our neighbor. Let's seek and destroy hypocrisy. Let's seek and destroy it in our own lives as we seek to do the things God is calling us to. Amen.